everyone and as this goes out happy friday i'm kirsty mcgregor accountant in residence and founder of the corporate finance network and today we welcome alexis kinsbury alexis is an award-winning entrepreneur with two software businesses and a consulting practice which serves over 600 organizations around the world including well-known brands such as sony 3m swarovski fitness first and pepsi quite an impressive client list. He's passionate about helping business leaders create freedom on time to spend time on what matters most, something we have just been talking about prior to recording about how important that is and thankfully how we can talk about that in business nowadays. I came across him as founder of Air Manual, one of his businesses, a software business which helps businesses document, use and manage their guidance processes and onboarding. Alexis, that's quite an introduction. Thank you for joining us today. How are you? Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's, uh, it's amazing how much I've sort of accumulated over the years. <laughs> I've only been twenty-two um, as well. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it, it's really, really awesome. No, thank you, and it's really, really uh, great to be here. Thank you very much for having me. So, what we are going to be talking about today is AI, and in particular, Chat GPT, which is over everything. And the reason I wanted to talk to Alexis about that on this podcast is that I saw he was running a webinar on the subject himself. So uh, you've run that webinar twice, I believe. Now you said, how how has that gone? Who's been on it? Um, you know, what type of audience have you attracted on that webinar? Yeah, sure. So uh, as you say, we we've run that webinar a couple of times. We've also written a, an ebook on the on the subject, essentially to provide business leaders with a guide on how to make use of AI and ChatGPT. And the reason we did that is particularly because, as you say, there's a lot of talk about AI and ChatGPT at the moment. Um, it's And for good reason. It has huge potential and presents huge risks to many organizations. And, uh, and so it's worthy of attention. This, uh, I, I fully believe this is not... Huh. It's funny. I, I was going to say it's not a fad. There are elements that are being overhyped, yeah. but the key is that you're not going to be in a situation a year from now where it's like, oh yeah, that was all a massive fad. And no one's using AI now. The yeah. the world has changed. The technology landscape has changed, and so all businesses will be using some form of artificial intelligence as part of their business uh, within the next twelve months. Mm. Uh, otherwise, they're going to face considerable competitive pressure. However, the the challenge that we saw was that there was lots of guidance out there and and videos and and posts and so on about either how scary it all is and when we approach the singularity and robots come and kill us all and all this kind of stuff, which like, you know, is headline grabbing, but not very practical for business owners or goes very much into very specific technologies. So there'd be guidance of, here's how you can use ChatGPT to write this job description, da, da, da. And, and those are interesting, but can become quickly overwhelming when you realize that there are literally thousands of tools um, and ChatGPT is just one of them. And then even within those tools, there's hundreds or thousands of ways in which you can use them. Mm-hmm. And so I think all of that, again, becomes overwhelming and it's difficult to, to sort the hype from, from the reality in terms of how you can practically apply it in your business. Now, at Air Manual and throughout my career, we've always been about how do you help business owners and business leaders make huge impact in their organizations, particularly through sorting out their, their processes and their guidance for their teams. So we looked at it and said, well, 
how are we approaching it? How are we encouraging our clients to approach looking at artificial intelligence and ChatGPT so that you can essentially apply some lenses to look at the whole area that make it a much um, clearer picture? So that's uh, what we uh, essentially did through uh, through the ebook and through the webinars. And the webinars were really, really well attended. Perhaps some of my best attended uh, webinars. Perhaps yeah. the um, uh, relevance of the topic right now, I think, uh, really chimed for people. But in terms of the, it's really interesting the mix of of business leaders attending, coming from a huge array of industries, whether it was uh, interior design, manufacturing, training companies, accountancy firms, consultants. You know, a real mix across uh, everywhere from construction and and recruitment, like in all sorts of different areas. And what's interesting is one of the exercises that we run is to uh, spend a couple of minutes coming up with how your competitors could use AI to become your worst nightmare and competitors both existing but also new. Like what could they do in terms of how could they use artificial intelligence to make your products or services uh, lower in value or even not required to solve the uh, solve the problem? How could they um, how could your competitors use it to be more effective in their marketing, either in terms of quantity, quality, efficacy, whatever? Um, or uh, how could they use uh, artificial intelligence to make the way in which they deliver their products and services that are similar to yours more cost effective, better quality, more convenient, faster by using artificial intelligence? And and so by using that as that's one example of a lens to kind of look at it and go, OK, how could how do I think my competitors could plausibly do this and then flip that round and mm -hmm. say, OK, of the huge variety of things that my competitors could do, which do I think are the real things that are actually going to make a difference and therefore might want to consider doing myself and being the being the risk <laughs> to my competitors rather than uh, letting them disrupt me. And I think, you know, what was really interesting in that exercise is such a huge variety of ideas that were coming from the from the group of um, based on these different industries, different ways in which their competition could be using AI and ultimately uh, it, it results in some ideas that they could bring. Mm. Well, I mean, what a clever psychological trick to use there. That's brilliant. Uh, I've used something similar in some of the work I do with coaching. Uh, really clever to get them to think of it from another perspective and then use that information. So maybe everybody on this call can do that now for their own industry. They think of their own competitors. And uh, it's interesting, though, isn't it? When you bring different sectors together, mm -hmm. they themselves think they're very different to anyone else. But there are so many similarities across industry and sector, isn't there? So everybody can learn from each other. So that's really brilliant that you did that. I, I just want to recount a few experiences I've had so far, mm -hmm. um, only in the last matter of weeks. I mean, it's just gone absolutely crazy over the last few weeks, hasn't it? This, especially chat GBT. Um, the first was... Um, I'm a trainer and I'm in finance and I'm, I'm involved a little bit with the uh, education system. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they they were as professors of accountancy degrees, qualifications. They were talking together about how chat, uh, GPT may affect them, especially with uh, assessments and so on. Mm -hmm. So so they're really worried about it. So so I went on a call just listening to them and um, that was fascinating. So I came across it there. Then I write a lot of content myself, a lot of marketing content for Capitalize in particular. And um, what I write, though, is it's not technical, but it's very current. So uh, there is some evergreen 
material that's always the case but for example just trying to write about the budget coming mm. up uh, the chancellor's budget's coming up in a few weeks so I was doing a bit of a prediction piece on that so nice. I thought I will ask chat GBT what he thinks I'm assuming it's a man you know I reckon it's a man and, and, um, and anyway you could say it was very very uh, you know played uh, not very useful uh, got the completely misunderstood um, but uh, but actually, you know, quite fascinating that where it's pulling clearly, it's just like a Google search engine pulling it from everywhere, isn't it? Um, well, and the la- go on. Sorry. Uh, well, it's, it's, I'll, I'll jump on that little one because it's it's an interesting one because it's a, a sort of common misnomer is this um, this concept of ChatGPT has got like the internet in it and as a result kind of works like a Google search engine because although it's trained in a way that seems similar, i.e. that um, you kind of throw uh, a big chunk of the internet into it for it to then train its neural network to kind of understand um, the the connections between words and sentences and all these sorts of things. But it actually, in many cases, particularly on facts, it will get it more wrong than it gets it right. Because what it's really doing is it's a language model. It's it's predicting the next word rather than actually going and getting the information, which is what a Google search engine would do is say, here is the page. And in fact, a great way to illustrate this, I I asked it, uh, in fact, I'll I'll, I'll uh, pick a funny example. I asked it, um, uh, like, here's some song lyrics. Um, what uh, what's the next lyric uh, and what song is it from? And out of three lyrics that I gave it, only one was right. Yeah. So when I say, um, uh, you know, is this the real life? Is it just fantasy? Yeah. It was able to correctly say caught in a landslide and escape from reality. This is Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. What's interesting when I then said, uh, gave it another one, which is like, and the bass keeps running, 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 running. It then correctly identified its black eyed peas and it gives me the lyrics going the next bit and running, running and running, running, but then puts the wrong title of the song. Ah. The problem is that if you don't know the right answer, it looks so like the real answer it does. that it's impossible to tell the difference. And there's no, uh, I've seen exa- other examples where someone asked for, give me essentially time codes from the Marvel Universe movies of fight scenes between females and it and as a table. And it confidently goes, from Iron Man 2, you've got uh, Black Widow in a fight and these time codes and whatever. And most of it's fiction. Yeah. Um, and another another funny, uh, 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 funnier, even funnier example is I asked it for interesting facts about me that, you know, that might not be normally um, known or shared. And it lists these 10 fantastic facts, including some which I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. I haven't really shared that. And uh, one of the impressive facts was that I was um, voted the uh, most influential uh, woman in the uh, influential female awards in 2000 uh, in 2020 and it's got a source it's got it in square brackets even about that, to a Alexis. Fic- <laughs> a fic- it creates the url because it's a language oh. model so it knows what a url should look like even creates a url it's got an, a separate one about some other achievement i've got with a link off to a forbes website again fictional url it's a broken link like it will create those things and look very real. So we have to be really careful about thinking of it like in that same way, because it is it is a language model that can create those things rather than a search engine, yeah, which will yeah. tell you answers. So yeah. I, I can absolutely talk sources. about how we could use it to create a, a post that to, uh, predicts the future uh, based on budget and so on. But what we absolutely can't do is say, hey, 
based on what you know about the budget, like now tell me this, because it'll it'll come up with whatever it thinks you you think a budget looks like and what that Yeah, is. yeah, and doesn't really understand who a chancellor is either. So, no. <laughs> so it was quite interesting. I thought, well, I'm not out of a job just yet. I've yeah. got a bit of time while they refine it. <laughs> um, but then the other example was, and, and it, it comes right to that point, I think, was that I saw on LinkedIn that, a contact a man who's a lawyer and said, well, this is bound to happen eventually. A client had asked me a question, technical legal question, and I gave him my response. And then he said, but this is what ChatGBT thought. And, and so luckily the lawyer said it was a load of rubbish. Oh. So um, they're not quite there yet, are they? But, you know, it's work in progress. And I don't know how quickly they're going to get there, but they're definitely not standing still in this technology. So, so, so I suppose that just leads us into then, why do you think in the last few months it's just taken off so much? Yeah, so I'd say uh, there's a couple of reasons that's taken off in a big way, in the la- particularly in the last few months. So one is that there's been a significant investment from a variety of organisations around AI more generally. And so um, we're starting to see the fruit of that labour. But particularly the interest came through um, the uh, OpenAI's ChatGPT mm-hmm. model. Yeah. And I think that that was the first time that really the general public could get their head around how some of this could apply and could interact uh, interact with it in a way that was uh, and is uh, free currently um, so that you can kind of experience it. And the quality of it was good enough that it would essentially um, you know, uh, be successful in a Turing test where you're testing, can it do as well as a human? Like, can I t- even tell whether or not it's human or not? And it writes so well and so quickly yeah. based yeah. on the feedback that you give. And the the crucial part is based on the input that you give. Yeah, because it isn't a Google search engine. It isn't going and doing some really clever research and analysis and pulling it together for you in the case of ChatGPT, like the separate AI models that can do those sorts of things. But what this is, is essentially like some people have kind of just said, oh, it's like a uh, just a really good um, predictive text. Like when you, you know, we've had it on our phones for ages, you start typing. But what it's but it can do that to at a much better quality. Yeah. And over a lot, a lot larger data sets yeah. so that rather than consistently giving you the wrong word, which is what we're used to in predictive text, instead, it is able to take a seemingly small amount of input, like, for example, hey, I'm going to be interviewing Alexis Kingsbury for my podcast. I need to introduce him. Here's some key points I know about him. Now turn that into a description that sounds right for a podcast and it will create something that does. It's written yeah. in a way like it's a language model. So it knows how someone would what a description and an intro and a podcast looks like. If it equally, if you then said right now, turn that into a press release, it knows what a press release looks like. If you yeah. said now turn that into five posts that I could put as tweets, it knows the structure of a tweet. It's going to put hashtags. If you said add appropriate emojis, it knows what emojis to use at the relevant points mm-hmm. and will add it in. So it is a language model and can do amazing things with it. But garbage in garbage out so you need to make sure that you're providing good input including the source information and and to do that so I think that's why it's suddenly become a big thing because people have like it it is Mm, it can achieve amazing things and and give you the output and as a result within five days it went to uh, a million users and in two months went to 100 million users which for contrast other tools 
like that that have been super high adoption, like Instagram and TikTok and so on. You're talking, I think, nine months for 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 those to get to those kinds of numbers. We're talking much much faster adoption. In fact, there's some fantastic charts out there which basically show technology ado adoption over time. And you like, for example, the telephone and how many years yeah. it took for X many people to get to it, and same for TV. And what you can see with these lines is they just keep getting steeper and steeper and steeper. Yeah. And so this uh, this is a technology that is now the fastest adopted technology that has the world has ever seen because of how to some extent easy it is to get to grips with um uh, really so i think that's why suddenly everyone's kind of woken up to to mm -hmm. ai and uh outside of chat gpt there's loads of other tools out there that can do a whole host of um other things including creating images based mm -hmm. on text prompts even creating video even creating whole like online courses or slide packs based on that kind of text text input providing it some audio and it can go off and do some amazing things and so i think it's causing a lot of people to um take pause and say actually surely i can use this somehow in my business yeah, the problem yeah. is that that can feel pretty overwhelming initially it is and uh, and i think that is the key is to go and try it yourself don't be mm -hmm. scared of it it's very easy to use and I suppose you need to learn how to use the platform to best effect. Like you said, I didn't know you could tell it to put emojis in. And But what we we did try um, a couple of weeks ago, you know, typically this is me and a colleague at probably nine, 10 o'clock at night in different parts of the country, having had a couple of glasses of wine, playing about on this technology. And um, and I was really surprised, actually, about the, the quality of the language choices it makes, because I was saying, um, you know, to to our, uh, my, my colleague, well, but we have a certain tone of voice in the way that we write. You know, is it really going to be able to write like that? You tell it to write in capitalised tone of voice, and that's pretty spot on. Um, you know, that was quite, you know, it's informal, it's it's professional, it's the way that we we tend to to choose our language. So yeah, very very clever in that respect. And um, it is a case of just yeah playing and trying and see, and seeing. I think how you can use it. So you were talking about there um, on your webinar, you asked your um, audience to think about the competitor's response. So I suppose that comes up with the risks then, doesn't it? So the opportunities and also the risks, the very real risks that AI and ChatGBT in particular may pose to a business. What, do you think um, you know, businesses are brave enough to explore this? I think I think to some extent they have to be. Um, I actually think that uh, the majority of business leaders that I'm talking to are definitely up for exploring it. I think it's a scary landscape and that um, it can feel overwhelming, but they are 100% up for learning because they appreciate how much this is going to change things. And if you're listening right now and thinking, oh, but I'm not sure it's going to change my industry, um, here's some examples just to try and prompt your thinking. So, because um, you, you, you might be saying, oh, well, you know, my industry, the particular thing I do, that can't be done by AI. And maybe you're right. Yeah. However, how customers find you currently is likely to get disrupted by artificial intelligence. Yeah. Right now, there is basically a war being waged between Microsoft's Bing and Google Search over uh, who can provide the best improvement on the search engine by utilizing AI. Currently, Bing is winning. That is something that we've kind of got used to 
pretty much 20 years of Google Chrome uh, and Google doing a better job of being a browser and being a search engine. And so anyone who's marketing their business will have done pretty well if you've made sure that you're well optimized for Google. But if right now people are starting to look at Bing as being a better way in which you can search for things and that actually the search engine that they're using might even be provided whilst writing in a document or in in Microsoft Excel or whatever, and it's using AI to do a search for you and bringing your competitors uh, on onto the search results rather than you, that can cause disruption to you even without it necessarily uh, AI replacing your business. But I think the other way that is far uh, that is most obvious for people is that all businesses of any type size industry, there are parts of your business that could be made more efficient by using AI. And so whether it's uh, how you write your emails, how you follow up with customers, how you do your marketing, uh, how you put together your presentations, creating images, whatever it is in your business, there are ways in which artificial intelligence can speed up and make your business more efficient, which means that there are ways in which your competitors can become more efficient, which means that either they'll make Temporarily, they'll make more profit, but over the long term, you'll uh, experience price pressure and uh, and won't be able to uh, to keep up. And so it's it's crucial that businesses embrace this. The hard bit is is how because you can spend thousands of hours researching AI and still not make a single change in your business. Mm. So that's um, that's what why you know it's why we run the webinars. It's why we've got the uh, the ebook. We've also got a step-by-step um, checklist guide, a self-driven um, sort of training checklist uh, that people can use, which is available at airmanual.link forward slash templates forward slash learn hyphen AI, where that takes you or your team um, or both, you can share it with them um, through a series of steps to try out ChatGPT and to try out uh, tools like Midjourney and learn about some of the, the basic tools, but then importantly, reflect on what impact that could have in your business and what ideas that that, that you and or, or they have got uh, to apply it in the business. And I think starting to take those steps to try a few tools and then properly reflect on it is going to be how you start to um, make sense of this otherwise pretty baffling um, world of opportunities. And it is the speed, isn't it? I think that it is coming on that is is the shocker. Um, but also, as you say, is the opportunity. For those that do take the opportunity, they're going to be first to market with whatever their changes they're making in their own business and, and will make that difference for themselves. And I think it seems strange. I'm talking a lot and writing a lot at the moment about you know the, the, the economy we're in is difficult for businesses. It, for most businesses, it's challenging. Although demand may appear to be there, there's a very risk of real risk of overtrading if your margins are not keeping up and you're not aware that your margins are not keeping up. And, um, you know, there's so much going on and so much uncertainty that it is understandable if people kick this into the long grass and think I'll deal with it later in the year or I'll deal with it next year. Um, we probably haven't got time for that. You know, it, think it, you think it's something that probably they need to address in the next matter of weeks rather than even months i think it is but the the good news is that actually you can use it mm. as a uh, a lever to help you solve some of the challenges that you have got right now 
Yeah. So rather than looking at it as a sort of annoying, important, but not necessarily urgent, or maybe it's urgent kind of project that derails you from your priorities. Instead, the way the uh, one of the other lenses that we shared in the in the webinar is to look at it through the lens of what are your biggest problems currently? So looking at, for example, we worked with a, a business owner who um, one of the aspects of her business is that she has a podcast, which is a like number one pod, uh, number one chart podcast. She gets sponsorship, and that's one of her main sources of income. But the, her income and growth is limited because um, she would uh, she has high standards for the output. Um, she would describe it. She's a control freak, uh, and as a result, she's currently doing all of the editing, or she was currently uh, doing all of the editing of her mm. podcasts. Mm. And it took her uh, days per episode to get these things edited. So what we did was we said, well, okay, let's document the process for how you edit a podcast. What are the steps that you need to go through at a high level? Boom, 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 boom. Get all that captured. And of course, in theory, you could say, oh, well, now we can delegate it, but it would take quite a long time and cost a lot of money to delegate that because it, you know it's taking days and days per episode. So what uh, we said is, well, where in this process takes the most amount of time? What's causing the pain? And we identified one particular step, which was um, removing filler words, so repeated words, ums, ers, etc., removing those from the episode to clean it up, make it more powerful, and so on. And so we said, well, okay, let's do a do a quick Google search. Let's identify. Give me an AI that can remove wow. filler words like ums and ers from a podcast episode. One of the first results that comes up is a tool called Descript, which is a, a tool that you can upload the podcast episode in, and it'll uh, auto, it'll transcribe the whole thing. Amazing. It'll identify all the ums and ers and the filler words. Just making a note of this right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and literally, you can then go through it like doing a find and replace, yeah. you know, in a, in a document. And or you can do apply all uh, to to do the whole thing. And it remove and it just clips all of those out. And so okay. you've got something that would normally take her uh, many, many hours to do that kind of editing. And instead, it can be done in seconds or minutes. And of course, it doesn't even stop there. So one of the other things that you can do with Descript particularly is that you can train it on your voice by giving it 10 to 60 minutes of audio of you speaking so for example a podcast episode or a webinar or whatever and then it uses that to then uh, be able to talk in your voice so right. let's say that there was a particular line which didn't quite scan you missed a word or you said the wrong word so i said presentation when i meant webinar or i said you know it's it's on sale today and i meant yesterday or whatever you can literally use this feature called overdub where you type in the new word that you want and it uses yeah. It's AI uh, trained model from your voice to then replace that word. And so you it, particularly in the stream of a wider sentence that is mainly the real recording, you don't even notice that that wasn't said by the actual speaker. And again, those are things that normally you'd have to essentially do a re-record and then resort out all the audio and put that back in and edit that in. And it's the sort of thing that would then maybe add another 10, 15 minutes each time that you need to do it. And instead, you can do it in seconds. And so those are examples where you can take, you know, if you when you scale that up to the whole process, you're talking about a process that previously took days mm -hmm. and now takes single digit hours. And there's a whole load of other stuff that she, she does, mm -hmm. including promoting the episode and so on. 
But in terms of impact, it suddenly means that, A, if she wanted to, she could now do the editing and do more episodes and so on. But also it means she can delegate it cost effectively where previously she couldn't. And so in her case, she now, as she said to us, it's like, for the first time, I can see how I can grow this business beyond me in a way that I couldn't see before. And I think that's the key is rather than start, we could have said, hey, here's a cool tool, here's Descript, or here's how Canva's doing it, and here's ChatGPT, and like, here's these 15 different tools, but it's overwhelming. And she'll just think, oh, but I've got to get I've got to get on with editing the podcast, (laughs) whereas turning it round and starting with what's your problem? What's the issue that you've got right now? Where's taking your time? And then saying, I bet there's technology that can help us with this, because I think I think the pictures change. I think between 2010, 2020, we all got used to technology largely like not changing that much. Mm. Um and now we're suddenly getting huge shift. Mm. And so now is the opportunity to really challenge that thinking and say, actually, for my biggest problem, let me go have a look at what that technology is. Now, of course, as a, as a tool where you document processes, I would recommend that the most effective way in which you could do that is document the process, work out where you fix the, um, uh, you know, fix the problem or uh, reduce the time or whatever using AI. But crucially, the the reason for doing that goes beyond just helping you identify the problem it's about then being able to get you and any other team member being able to use the ai in that way to achieve the result in a consistent way without them having to be trained and mm. understand how to use it because they can literally follow a series of steps mm. to for example like right open descript drag the file into it click transcribe this will now take about two minutes while you're doing that do this like mm. okay we well then go back to these script. like those steps can be detailed out which Broken means that down. anyone in your team a junior employee can do those things mm. without uh you know without having to become an expert in all of these tools which are changing constantly Alexis I could talk to you about this for hours <laughs> but unfortunately that was a fantastic use case and there will be so many across different sectors won't there um so I hope that's given everybody a flavor of of um AI machine learning chat GBT etc and um and I hope it gives you confidence to go and, and have a go and and start to explore this um it has been great to talk to you Alexis as I said where can people find out more about you Emmanuel? The webinar, the ebook, you gave us a link before. We'll put that in the show notes. Anything else? Yeah, so for the uh, for the ebook specifically, I'd, uh, that can be found at airmanual.link forward slash AI forward slash ebook. Uh, people can also reach out to me on social media. So I'm Alexis Kingsbury, and you can find me on uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, um, uh, I think even TikTok as well. Uh, <laughs> my contacts posted on. The other thing I'd um, recommend is we've got the uh, the podcast that I do, De-Stress Your Business, we've got a, a series of episodes that go deeper into um, AI and ChatGPT and both the risks and specific applications of how you can use it. And particularly, there's um, uh, another lens that we uh, we didn't talk about that we talked about in the, on the webinar, which is how you can look at AI as being like a junior employee. Mm-hmm. And it's a really interesting lens because it a, helps you identify opportunities to use AI, but also it helps you understand some of the limitations and avoid some of the challenges that you know we talked about earlier around um, o- overly relying on the its factual accuracy or not getting stuff that's quite, quite creative enough or in the right voice. And so that's a that's a useful thing to, to check out. So you can find that at destressyourbusiness.com. Fantastic. Thank you. 
So that wraps up this episode of the podcast. And for those new to Capitalize, our vision is to give small businesses and their advisors transparency and control over business finance. So every small business can identify the risk they might face, explore from a credit perspective and choose the right funding that best fits their business. For those of you that don't already, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music and all good podcast platforms. And go back, please, and listen to our complete back catalogue of episodes. Alexis was telling me he heard from an audience member on his podcast and that's what they were doing. And I was just like podcast goals. So I would love it if people went back and listened to some of the others brilliant episodes and interviews that we have done. For more about the Future Positive podcast and Capitalise, please check out Capitalise.com. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you again to Alexis. Please um, listen uh, every week. Um, every alternate week, we have a bite-sized episode, um, which we call Capitalised Breakfast Business Podcast, where we'll discuss three business news stories of the week, which you might have missed. So that will be next week. And then I'll be back in two weeks for another interview. And we'll see you then. Have a great day. Music.